the ML Elric. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now, ML Elric's strange story, Trigger Man. Get your finger out of my face. Take the first shot, then if you want to count, Get your finger out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Elric? Hey, kids. Welcome back to the Soul of Detroit. We are very gratified to have so many people listening, and uh, we'd like to have more of you participating. Reach out to us, mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. You know, our phone number is 313-Butterfield-89070, so that's 313-288-9070. We have uh, our second guest ever. We we were so gratified by Daniel Ferguson's rather interesting visit to uh, the basement here at Red Shovel Networks that we decided to invite another guest, and it's a very special guest. It's the chief of staff for the mayor of Detroit, Mayor Mike Duggan's chief of staff, Alexis Wiley, former colleague of mine at Fox 2, will be joining our conversation shortly. And, of course, Mark Fellhauer is here to try and keep this thing on the rails. And later on, we'll be joined by Sean Windsor, the Detroit Free Press, for the great debate. But first, I have to get something off my chest because... I, uh, for years, have been called out for the stories I've done, but really more for the way I look. And I'm going to cop to being <laughs> funny looking, all right, and uh, and girly and all that other stuff. And that's that's fair enough. You're you're entitled to your opinions, and they may be pretty accurate. But Daniel Ferguson brought up something I hear a lot, which is, and not just because we're both Irish, that uh, I've given Mayor Mike Duggan a free pass. And so as quickly as I can, I want to sort of set the record straight or at least establish the record so that you guys can make up your mind. Uh, First of all, I was the first reporter and the only reporter when Mayor Duggan was running for mayor in 2013 to disclose all the close ties between the Duggan campaign and the Kwame Kilpatrick regime. I was the first reporter to expose or to reveal, if you will, all the big money behind the Mike Duggan for mayor effort back in 2013. The, the special political committee that was raising millions of dollars, as well as the other money going to the election committee. Uh, I reported on how Mayor Duggan was being criticized by the police commission for retaining the power that should rightly be returned to the police commission after the bankruptcy. He eventually did relinquish that, but that was, it felt to me like an overreach, and it was a story people needed to know. When Duggan was running for re-election in what was expected to be a cakewalk, when no one else was covering the race or paying any attention to the issues, I challenged Mayor Duggan on his ability to follow the rules, not just on the demolition program where he admitted that the city may have gone too fast and too hard and made some mistakes, but on his administration at DMC, the Detroit Medical Center, when he was in private uh, industry, when they had to pay millions of dollars in fines, he didn't like that. But we challenged him on it. And, of course, I think everybody who watches Fox knows that I've been dogged on some of the incompetence and some of the, dare I say, corruption on Detroit City Council. When we talked to Mayor Duggan about what he thought was the greatest accomplishment of his first term, he stunned me by saying that it was better relations with City Council. Now, I don't think anybody in Detroit really cares whether the mayor gets along with City Council. 
but it's a big deal to the mayor. And I think it's because he knows that outside of Detroit, people look at the city and say, is that the place with the crazy politicians and the crazy city council? We asked him about those things and we put them on the record when nobody else did. Story we passed up on that we knew before everybody else was this supposed relationship with a woman who we're not going to name because she's a private citizen. I think she's been through enough already. Why didn't we do that story? Well, I'll tell you why. Because in my world, I don't believe in stepping out on anybody. We can't say for sure that anybody has stepped out on anybody. But you can screw whoever you want, and it ain't news unless you're screwing the taxpayers. Didn't care about Christine Beatty and Kwame Kilpatrick kicking it until careers were ruined to cover up their affair and until taxpayers had to spend more than $8 million to cover up that illicit relationship, that lie, that misuse of public dollars. So why'd we pass on that? Why was Fox the last party there, the last person at the party? Because he didn't think it was news. And we're going to talk to Alexis in a minute about the story in the free press that came out last week, a rather breathless story that reappeared in Sunday's print edition. Daniel Ferguson mentioned scrutinizing Detroit more, scrutinizing the mayor. It's a fair comment. And I agreed with Daniel that I don't think the mayor of the city councils had the scrutiny that it did when I was in city hall and when the newspapers were healthier, more robust. But I also find it outrageous that when the mayor is black, somebody says scrutinize Detroit less. But when the mayor is white, they say scrutinize Detroit more. Here's my philosophy, folks. Scrutinize the hell out of the city all the time. The time. And I continue to be struck by how people say that the free press and the news and the rest of the media should be scrutinizing the white mayor more, but they don't call for the city's predominantly black paper, the Michigan Chronicle, to scrutinize the mayor at all. In fact, I think you could say the Michigan Chronicle almost seems like the house organ of the Duggan administration. So let's get race out of this. Let's ask people to do their jobs. Reporters and journalists need to be on their job. They need to be watchdogs. They need to hold people accountable. That's what it's all about. And, and I do think that Mayor Duggan has had it easy. And one of the things that Alexis and I are going to get into, and I think Mark's going to jump into, is that I think officials have an obligation to meet with the media whenever there's a matter of public import, whenever it's reasonable. And you can say what you want about Coleman Young, but he was the MFIC. And while he didn't love many reporters, if any, he also didn't fear any. So here's the hard part for me. I love the free press, uh, and I've, I've told Alexis this. I've told the free press that when I was hoping they would make me the boss, and I'll tell them this now. I think, and I truly do believe this, it is the most important institution in the state of Michigan. It has the power, and it has done more for the people of Michigan than just about anything in this state. And my chances of going back may be seriously diminished today, but you guys listen to us for the truth, for my insights on journalism, and for our honest opinions And that's good because that's all we got to offer. So that's a big wind-up. And we're out of time, folks. Thanks for joining us (laughs) on the soul of Detroit. But it's all stuff that needed to be said. And I know you're not a fan of, uh, from a journalistic standpoint, of the article that came out last week. I'm sure the administration isn't a fan of it either because of things they said. But it does beg the one question you brought up. It seems like an easy thing for him to respond to. Where is the mayor? When was the last time he did a one-on-one interview? I know we'd love to talk to him. I know LaDuff would love to talk to him. Fox would love to talk to WWJ wants him for Mayor Mondays. They haven't been able to get him. Why not? Why no sit-down interview? 
Oh, well, I think one of the last sit downs that I, major sit downs that we had was actually with ML in the mayor's office, um, completely open and, and had a full, well, you know, far ranging interview. I think, um, one, I, I'm not aware of us not making the mayor available for Mayor Mondays. Uh, I, I'm sure he'd want to do that. And I'll go back to the office. I'll talk to John about um, whether there was a conversation. But the mayor's been transparent. I mean, if you think about it, every inter- every press conference he goes to, anytime a reporter runs into him, he never says, I'm not doing a scrum, I'm not talking. He stays as long as it takes to answer questions. If there's anything this administration probably does a lot of, it's press. And it's a lot of different uh, different press conferences. The mayor's at different events. And there's tons of media always there. I know if you ever ask Vicki Thomas if she has a hard time getting the mayor, she never does. No one asks her, Vicki, what are you asking? Nobody says, says you know, tries to, to censor. She just goes up and talks to him. And the mayor takes every question. It's, it's one thing that I think he's always really prided himself on is that he has been willing to answer questions. Now, in this case, let's talk a little bit about and can I ju- jump right into it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so let me, let me set the stage a little bit. Yeah. And, and the John that Alexis is is referring to, folks, that's Alexis Wiley, is John Roach, who is, handles media inquiries for for uh, Mayor Duggan. If you were watching the Tigers' uh, uh, home opener, some people get mad. They're like, "It's not opening day. It's the home opener." Okay, whatever. Um, you know, I guess uh, tomato, tomato. Six to one. Yeah. Don't ever call me because you're probably real drag at the bar. <laughs> that day, a, the Free Press published an online story. And, and for those who don't know the mechanics of this, now the Free Press is in the practice of publishing their big stories for Sunday earlier in the week, and then they have the print edition that comes out. Under the headline, Mayor Mike Duggan set her up to succeed. That raises questions. An email by our, our friend and, and guest here, uh, Alexis Wiley, shows Mayor Duggan ordered special attention for a nonprofit one run by, and I'm not going to name her, with whom he's linked. Um, the Free Press has made the decision to put her in the public domain. I'm not. Uh, now, that, same, that, that headline, and I'll tell you right now, I think is, and I don't like it when people say the media is sensational, but I will say it feels a little sensational to me. On Sunday, it's very leading. this print edition came out with a much more responsible headline, Mayor's support raises question, program run by woman with ties to Duggan got grants. I'll tell you, in terms of getting your attention, it got your attention. And it got Alexis atten- Alexis's attention because she thinks it's baloney. I do. Um, but I think that we have to back up, right? Yeah. I think just to give people kind of a primer of what we're talking about. So, for one, infant mortality is one of the biggest problems facing our city. We have the highest infant mortality rate in the entire state of Michigan. We have one of the highest in the country. Um, And I think actually might have the highest in the country. We have women across our city who don't have access to resources, don't get to see the same doctor throughout their pregnancy, which is something that a lot of women take for granted. We as a city need to make sure that we're investing support in programs that reduce infant mortality and ensure that more women are able to have healthy babies. That's what Make Your Date does. And Make Your Date is a Wayne State University program. Every single dollar from the city of Detroit went to Wayne State University. It's managed by 
by Wayne State University. I think even, not even just I think, the line that we gave fundraising support to a nonprofit run by a woman connected to the mayor is not true. It's absolutely not true. She's not running. She's, she's not the executive she's, director. She's not. No. She's not chairman of the board. She is. So, Wayne, this is a program run by Wayne State. There's who, who employs her. Right. Who employs her? Absolutely. And I think if we talk about who she is, she is the associate associate director, um, associate dean. I mean, of the of Wayne State's um, maternal and perinatal health branch. Right. So she knows this stuff. Right. She wasn't just somebody who who knew nothing about this. She actually was the lead researcher on a lot of the work that that really kind of led to 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 improving um, outcomes for women. So I, I think that's a key aspect. Of I, this. I agree with it. When one point five million raised for it in total, I think so far, which is a wonderful thing. And reading over the article, the first thing that jumped out is how much money did she actually benefit personally right. from this, which. They left out of the article. Right. Huge error. It's zero. The biggest question to me that comes out of it, how often does the mayor approach Wayne State University or another entity about starting a charitable program? And that's where I think people see that and go, wait a sec, this is fishy. He knows her. That seems slightly unethical at the least. And why didn't the city's health department do this if it's such a priority for the city? So one, I think that, you know, if you look at what the health department's doing through Sister Friends, that is addressing preterm birth as well and really providing women resources through mentorship, right? Because a lot of women feel alone, don't really know where they can go. And if you have a woman who lives in your neighborhood, who looks like you, might be able to help get through to you in terms of what the resources are and actually provide that necessary support that she may not be getting. Um, but I think even when you, you look at Wayne State University, it's the leading university in the nation when it comes to prenatal research and maternal health. It's there, Wayne State is actually home to one of the only um, NIH research branch, branches outside of, um, outside of Bethesda, Maryland, where they're, they're headquartered. So I think that, again, we partner with, an organiz- with, with, a, with a university that is leading in this work. And it's one of the most pervasive problems that we as a city face. Why not partner with the highest, one of the highest quality institutions in the country and with a a doctor who actually is leading and well world renowned for this work. And I think the other piece about the nonprofit, this money went to Wayne State University. It didn't go to a private nonprofit. She's not director of Wayne State University. She had the, every single dime was managed by Wayne State, which I think is an important piece. I, I think the and good, she received no compensation, period. I do believe the good outweighs the bad in the case. But how many places has he approached about setting up a specific program? So let's talk about Grow Detroit. I, mean, I, I honestly don't know the answer. No, and I, and I appreciate the question, right? Let's talk about Grow Detroit Young Talent. It's a program that ensures that kids across the city have access to summer jobs. That's run by City Connect Detroit. And Who the, set the program up? Sorry, and, and DESC. So, and that's the Detroit approach? Solutions. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We play, when it comes to issues across the city, we are very, very um, focused on partnering because there are a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good work happening here. So if you look at... Um, a variety of Motor City Match is a program run by the DEGC, 
which also, you know, accepts um, philanthropic dollars. But I think what's most important is that we didn't partner with, we didn't give any funding to a nonprofit. But you, you did try and raise money for Make Your Date. In fact, I think the Free Press story uh, revealed that that the city wasn't able to raise money for the nonprofit and kind of said, Wayne State, you, you, you're doing fine on your own. You just you just keep on doing this. Well, and let me make it clear. We raised money for, we wanted to raise money for a program. We weren't raising money for a private nonprofit. From the very beginning, we are working with Wayne State University. So we were trying to raise money for an for the university program that was making a difference in the city and was already has already um, served thousands of women. So I think that it's important to note that we were raising money for Make Your Date the program. Nobody was raising money for a nonprofit. The, the nonprofit that they're referencing, the private nonprofit, doesn't even have a bank account. So clearly we weren't raising money for that. We were raising money for Wayne State University to continue the good work they were doing through this program. So as someone who's looked at nonprofits and mayors before, uh, based on the Free Press's reporting, and I will tell you folks that I looked into Make Your Date and Sister Friends a little bit last year when I decided not to do anything on the supposed relationship between the mayor and this this woman uh, because I didn't see her getting any tax dollars. I didn't see any financial benefit to her. But so, so let me just tell you that this is not the Kilpatrick Civic Fund. There's no indication that this is something where money is being raised for a benevolent institution or entity, and then it goes for whatever the hell somebody wants it to go for. And I also... That, that's the private-public distinction that you're that you're pointing out. It, well, it's, it's also, I think, the... It's a lot easier the, to the rip off the of system why, with a private charity. Well, and, and I think the other piece is that the free press itself in that story actually had a line in it saying there's no indication that, the, um, that there's any wrongdoing by Make Your Date or the person who they were so anxious to name. In your opinion, how much of that story is just um, a reflection or piggybacking off of what Bob Carmack has done publicly with his video and with the banners? Um, so here's what I will say. Um, I find it, it was interesting that the story leading up to the days, be, you know, leading up to the, the day the story posted, um, you know, it was this kind of, you know, we're going to be posting quickly, right? And then that same day, you know, that morning, there, there are um, banners flying around Comerica Park naming her, and then very quick um, tweets with pictures. And, I mean, they, they said in their own tweets, look what's behind, here's what's behind the, the, um, the banners around Comerica Park. So they linked it themselves. I didn't link it. They linked it themselves. Right, but but I've I've already explained that the free press does put their big stories, their Sunday right. stories, online early. So I, I, I'm not a big believer in conspiracy theories because I've worked with these people, and let me tell you, the fact they can put their shoes on <laughs> the right feet, that's a major accomplishment. So pulling off a conspiracy, and I'm not I'm not saying that there's a conspiracy. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying that they linked it to. They shared the pictures and sure. linked it to their story. Sure. That's all I'm saying. No, fair enough, fair enough. And they did reference in their story, which obviously was something that they didn't know until it happened. And this story, they clearly spent a lot of time on. And I guess that's one of my issues is they spent so much time on a story that really doesn't say that much. And there's so much more that needs to be scrutinized in City Hall. Why are they devoting all their limited resources to this? 
You know, and I should tell you, folks, we invited the free press to come on and talk about this. Now, we weren't going to set up a debate between Alexis and the free press. We didn't think that was appropriate. But I did say we're going to talk to the city, and we'd like to hear from you, too, because I have some questions. I'm sure some questions will be raised. And I got this from one of the senior editors at the free press, Mark Rochester. He says, we'll respectfully decline. Uh, If appropriate, could you say this? The free press has received no information that refutes any of the information contained in the story. We continue to believe it was accurate and important reporting. Now, I find a little irony here that they're coming to us in writing because one of their beefs with the city is that the city would only engage with them with written questions and answers. And I, you know, I, I that that whole issue is one where I think if, if the city is, is, in, is due for some criticism in this, it's the unwillingness to meet face to face with these reporters. Whatever you think their might their agenda might be, you can always tell them you're wrong. Beat it. So, ML, it's not about an agenda, right? It's about are you going to get a fair shake? It is not an ag- you. Uh, tons of reporters come to us with stories that we don't necessarily agree with. We don't like. But I don't think you like the last time, story that I, I did. No but, one but liked you the last. With us. No one liked the last story because Fox Two viewers loved it. Because, <laughs> but but we met with you because you're fair. If there's, I may not like the question, I may not like the premise, but I know that we're gonna get a fair shake. And you knew I'd come get you if you didn't. And that too. Okay. Well. But but even regardless, if you've been given, and actually they say, oh, they didn't want to do an interview. I personally sat down with both these reporters in November. I gave them the same courtesy I gave every other reporter that said they were interested in looking at this. They've been I working sat on down this since November. I gave, they've been working this since November. So I sat down Aye. in person with them. I gave them copies of the contract that showed we had a contract with Wayne State University. It showed the full budgets, which made it clear that the doctor was never... Um, compensated. I looked at those records too. All of that. Sat down, went through things line by line. And to say, oh, we would only answer questions in writing. Yeah, well, when I've given you actual facts and the university, as indicated in their statement, gave you every single just, just, just check after check after check showing you who signed them, their process, all of that. And you still say that you want, um, you, you, you still come at us with questions where you're like, dude, you're not getting what, what we're saying. And I, I think the best decision we made was that we answered questions in writing because Ooh. it gave us a record, honestly. But you in could record case, the whole thing. You could roll your own doesn't, cameras. doesn't even matter. And I, I, I think having it documented made it very clear what the facts were. So when you say we issued, we, we would, would only talk to them in writing, right? That's right. Then they submitted two written questions to the chief development officer and their only two questions were what do you make and who's your wife yeah so you actually asked you you accepted our offer because you asked you you sent us questions in writing you could have sent us questions about more and we made it very clear when we responded and said we wanted to answer questions in writing they were asking to talk to our chief development officer who has raised so much money um for the city and and for really great causes and they wanted more detailed information. We said, okay, give us questions, and we'll make sure you get the detailed information. 
You can't well, just talk off the top of your head. Sure. It I, makes I, a lot of sense to, I, but, I mean, we're going to disagree on this. But when but, somebody's working on a long-term project, it's appropriate for an entity, a government agency to say, you know, we don't have the answer to that. Let us get back to you. But I think when you, when you prejudge them, you're kind of doing what you accuse them of doing, which is prejudging you. And, and I think one reason why I don't like submitting questions and writing to people is it takes away the, the, the free exchange, the spontaneity, the, the thing where you ask me something and I tell you something, you say, oh, you know what, that makes me think about this. And then you, it's actually but more ML, efficient to I, have I those give, conversations in person. But ML, I want to give people a sense of how you actually operate. With you, yeah, but I'm in the bag for I'm just, the man. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> that I'm just sucks. saying. No, <laughs> you, Irish. when you yeah. come in with and Hungarians, when you're working on a story, you let us know from the beginning this is what I'm looking at. And yeah, this right. is I what I want you to be. answer. It might change this is, based on your answers. Right, but you tell us this is what I'm looking at. And that creates a roadmap where it says, okay, I got to go this way. There and it wasn't that they didn't have access. Fair otherwise, there's the optics part. You know, you have legal, you have ethical, and there's the optics of it. And it just seems like when people want to question submitted in writing, there's something to hide there, as Emma was just pointing out, as well as the optics of what Carmack did that led to the story. You understand that. I'm certain the mayor understands that. How do you combat that? Um, I, I think that it's what our experience has been with other really tough really smart journalists. That's me and out. And the experience that, that they've had uh, with our office and with the mayor. And if you ask people um, what their experience has been with this administration, even comparing it to past, we've been very open. That's a low bar. I mean, you might call it a, call it a low bar. Um, and it may be a low bar. But at the same time, I think that, that we've been open. And the fact that... Um, I just think our track record speaks speaks for itself on this. And at the end of the day, when you look at this story and there's no mention of the fact that she was never compensated and that she was a volunteer, there they say she was picked when she was plucked for this. Think about this is a woman who actually is the associate dean of maternal health. She helped author an NIH study looking at the effects of progesterone on, um, on cervical length for women. Um, but but she also but knows think, the mayor. And, and, and that's absolutely accurate. But at the same time, if you make it seem like, I think that oftentimes you can, you can create the story you want by leaving out certain details oh, and I burying certain details, like the line that there was no wrongdoing um, or that, and I don't want to paraphrase. I don't want to, you know, misstate what what the line was. But, you know, I think that the reaction that is being had, it's not just us. So, and it, you know, Wayne State University straight up said in their statement over a period of several months, Wayne State provided an extensive amount of information about Make Your Date to the Free Press, including a detailed financial accounting of the program administered by the university. Despite multiple explanations and evidence to the contrary, the paper still implied that Make Your Date was administered by a separate 501c3. This is simply false. So I guess what I want to also make very clear, our feelings about this story is not... Don't like it. I'm getting our feeling And my feelings, and I think the feelings of the universe and other people about this story, is not a reflection of a feeling toward journalists 
a belief in, you know, issues with journalism or even honestly, I mean, the paper is, is like you're saying, it's an important institution. And I, I think that's why you expect so much. But you also expect something of your elected officials. And one of the reasons why this story, whether you think it's meritorious or not, and some of the other things that have come out uh, have been, I'm going to say, dogging the administration or at least nipping at the administration is because the mayor has this relationship with someone that that doesn't look appropriate for a married man and that he won't fully address what's going on. Is there a level of frustration in the administration that, well, that was, I said like Jesse Jackson for a minute, but um, that, that this relationship has cast a cloud over what's going on. I mean, at, at what point is the mayor responsible for, you know what, dude, just, just be cool and you don't have to answer for this crap. You know, I think that when I look at this program and I look at what we did and I look at the support of something that is... But are people mad at the, at the mayor for having a relationship that's that's casting a cloud over everything he does? You know, I, I think that for us, we are focused on It's a yes or no work. question. Focus on our work. That's a longer than yes or no. It was a multi-syllabic answer. <laughs> no, I, I, I just think Okay, for, so no then. So, <laughs> or no, you're leading to a longer answer to a yes or no question. No, I, I just think that we are f- that so yes. focused You're leading on to a longer answer or a yes or no the question. The work that we're doing. And I believe that the work is good in everything we've done. And we believe in the mission that, that he's laid out before us. We believe in the work that he's doing. How so about, how many how emails about- have you sent to the city's nonprofit fundraising office to say, the mayor would like you to help this nonprofit raise money or be successful. It's so I meet with I meet with that team fairly regularly. But how many so emails? Because something... the free press made a big deal that you sent this email, right. and I'm wondering is it a big deal because it's the only one you've ever sent, or did they just look at one and you actually have a stack of them that you can show us? Uh, they just looked at one and. I send emails all the time. I mean, between but of saying, that nature. Hey, yeah, saying let's raise money we for Grow Detroit. We could just replace the name for make the date I, with uh, let's raise Mark money. Fellhauer loves. Ooh, let's let's raise know. money for Grow Detroit's young talent. We need to be raising human money fund. for the um, human fund for humans for, for for really worthy causes. I mean, that's and and I think the the framing of the email. I sent one introduction. Mm-hmm. Like I send. Lots of emails all the time, and many but you can regarding major fundraising like campaign. If if you want more email, I will I will be very yes. Take them. Yes, I'll give you a totally. simple answer. Yes, yes, please. Yes. How about the thorn in the side of the administration that is Bob Carmack and everything he's doing? Um, maybe wish that there wasn't a lawsuit that the city initiated on him. I mean, no. I mean, personal. Th- this had nothing to do. Uh, anything that's happening to him on the city end. The mayor had no role in any of that. The stuff that he, the stuff that he's mad about, started in the Kilpatrick administration. He's never let that go. So, we. But there have, wasn't the lawsuit until uh, what was the date? Twenty after he sold it. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. But 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 Carmack's beef is, and I think what you say is absolutely right. This transaction predates predates Mayor Bing and the brief yeah, Mayor Cockrell. But where Carmack says that this is Duggan going after him is because Carmack claims that when he tried to get somebody to appeal to the mayor, a fellow named Mike Gervalia, who's known to the mayor, and I think the mayor likes, he certainly met with him, Gervalia said, give me this much money, I'll see what I can do. Now, Gervalia since told me that, yes, I did talk to him, and I did say I would work with you, but when I found out the administration didn't like the project, I came back to you and said, don't bother, because 
it ain't going to go anywhere, so I'm not going to take your money. But Carmack says that, in fact, the way that conversation went down was, if you ain't going to pay me, then it can, ain't go, it ain't going to play. I think we got to look at the facts of what's happened here. Is Carmack Who's right or wrong? Who's harassing who? It's a pretty simple question. Is Carmack right or wrong about whether we about, went after him? About whether Mayor Duggan, through uh, a lobbyist, Mike Garavaglia, tried to stick him up for some dough. Absolutely not. Okay, that's pretty He's definitive. Ab- absolutely untrue. But let's look at, again, I think, and this is, I think, back to kind of a history in this town, but there's this kind of diving into conspiracy theories and these beliefs and the fact we that— We talked about that at the top and, of the show. I agree with that. Because when you look at it, let's look at the fact of what's happened. Carmack hired a private investigator to follow the mayor. He spent money on that. He paid to have planes fly around Comerica Park. I'm pretty sure that wasn't cheap. So who's going after bucks, he says. who? Uh, each plane, yeah. Oh. Who's going after who? Yeah. Who's harassing who? Who, where, who has the deed? I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's all. <laughs> That's really what you know. it boils down to is. Where's the real deed and who has it? It seems like it's such a simple problem. Well, Carmack well, will tell okay. you he had it and he lost it. Yeah. So I'm going to give you somebody, a... But. Okay, so here's a scenario that, from my reading of what he's claiming, it's as if somebody said, and this is from reading what was in the free press and, and all that, it's as if, let's say a wallet was dropped on your doorstep, right? And you went through it and you saw cash in it you spent the cash. You ran up the charge cards. It's not your fault, though, because it dropped on your doorstep. It doesn't change the fact that it wasn't yours. It doesn't change that. So that's my own, you know, just view of reading what um, do you, do you think, of reading what was there. Do you think but I don't. Again, I don't uh, know. Your administration is maybe paying for the sins because he claims that Derek Miller uh, tried to shake him down back in Kwame's right. time. Do you think? This administration is once again paying for the sins of previous administrations. No, I I think that there's two. I, separate I'm not too issues. sympathetic to that, just because the Kilpatrick separate... administration ha- owes a lot to the Duggan and McNamara administration. They are two. So. They are two completely separate issues in my eyes. I mean, whatever's happening on the city end is proper on the city end. Has nothing to do. I mean, Carmack might be reacting this way. Whatever. Mm. There's there doesn't. Whatever it it just doesn't. There's no connection there. He is a thorn though. I mean, he's, you know, he flew some planes and stuff. and He's a thorn. He's, I mean, it's, it's whatever. I, I think that it's, I think for any elected official, I think what um, we're experiencing, in my opinion, is, is also going to become the new normal. Because you have, um, I mean, now with technology and there's plenty of rich people out there who would want to do things to harass. It's, it's a new world. So, I mean, you either deal with it or don't. So I, I want to hit a couple other points because you've been very generous with your time, and you and I both have to run to a press conference in City Hall in a minute. Yep. So um, did whatever the nature of his relationship is with uh, this woman predate his request that the city work with Make Your Date? Which came first, the the sneaking or the egg? I have no clue about anything related to that, and I think the mayor's made it very clear that um, he addressed that once in his press conference, and he's not addressing it again. Okay. I don't know that he's always going to have that choice, but we can we can move to the next thing. Um, I did ask you when we started talking about this, because when this story came out, I was like, wow, did the free press, you know, is this all that's there there? Because it felt a little thin to me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to break that down for you folks. That's just my honest opinion. And I asked, did other 
nonprofits benefit from city fundraising efforts. And uh, the city, through the aforementioned John Roach, did give me a spreadsheet showing multiple nonprofits that did raise money with the efforts of the city's nonprofit uh, or foundation charitable, you know, giving office. Um, Make Your Date was not on it. And I said, well, wait a minute. Why isn't it on it? Does that look like you're leaving it out? Are you just saying that it's like the other ones, but it's not like the other ones? And the explanation I got back from the city was that ultimately we didn't succeed in raising any money for Make Your Date, so we did not include it on the list of programs where we did succeed in raising money. You've mentioned some of them. Detroit Pal would be another one. So what I want to know is, was this same information made available to the free press? Because I did not see it in their report. So, um, one, they refused to submit any more information to us. So I don't blame them for we that. Sent them, Officials we have sent got them to face up to it. You want to be the man? Be the man. ML. Or the woman. ML. But it does not. I just think that, that what you're saying, just there's accountability on all ends. There is a responsibility to ensure that if you're gonna, if you're a reporter and you're a journalist, you need to make sure that you're giving everybody a fair shake. And it's not just saying, I talked to you to check the box. And if you're an elected official, you have got to face the music, even when it's all kazoo and toilet paper and comb. Okay, and, that's a bad analogy. And but if you accept my offer to If it's country hip-hop, you still got to face the music. In writing, and then you only send two, there's accountability on their end, too. Okay, fair enough. But I'll tell you what, this I got to answer questions in writing stuff. It's baloney. You got to have a fair exchange. You have to have a spontaneous exchange. And when a project is playing out over many, many months, as this evidently did, it's perfectly reasonable for an official to say, good question, let me get back to you. That's what you guys do with me. I think you could have done that with them too. If you'd given them a chance to get in the same room. Elric, they were in the same room. I literally told you. In sat November. down with them and gave them the contract yeah, but they, and then had subsequent conversations when they called. Sure, but they may not have known where this investigation was going to go. Often you, hey, we did a, a whole show here on the 10 years Jim Schaefer and I spent looking into the Manugian Mansion rumor. We never found the damn thing, but we found so many other things. And that conversation would have started off with us saying, oh, we're kind of wondering if there's a party at the mansion. In fact, one time when we were frustrated that we couldn't get anybody to talk to us, Jim and I walked up the driveway at the Manugan Mansion, knocked on the door, and asked the cop who was doing security, hey, was there a party here? And he said, get the hell out of here. What are you smart asses doing here? Later became a good source. But, Alexis, anything else you want to add? You've been, I think, you want to talk about demo at all? There's a big, quick demo story. I, yes. I meant to tell people this before. Charlie LaDuff was the first person at the courthouse yesterday for the demo hearing. We got him on camera because, you know, we sit at the courthouse with the camera trying to see people coming and going because we can't be in there to watch it. But when the first plea came down, Charlie was nowhere to be seen. Uh oh. And this is Charlie's big day, right? You know, demos finally leading to criminal charges. This this is validation. So I see him in the afternoon when the next knucklehead goes into plead guilty. I said, Charlie, where the hell were you this morning? This is your show. He goes, I had to clean the pop machines at the Coney Island. (laughs) Wow. So that's the world of Charlie. He's got his job. That's his healthcare job. Okay. I guess. He just got done scraping but, bird poop off the awning, too. He was, and he, and he was asking all the feds why they were wearing shoes, what kind of shoes they were wearing. So I don't know what kind of story it's going to turn into, but I'm no sure it's going to be very job. interesting. There's no shame in a job. Alexis Wiley, we are going to go next to our great debate. I feel like we've just had a great debate. I, I do want to say the topics oh. this time are a lot different from the first time I met you, Alexis, oh, really? which you will not remember. Oh, my gosh. What were the topics the first time? You were covering the Charlie Sheen um Oh, yeah. What was that called? Oh, my God. Tour, tornado that, that tour. That tour he did, and he you was at the Fox. Drew. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny how life has changed, right? Yeah. Uh, that topic was a lot lighter. But at the same time, I think the other thing, too, <laughs> I, I, I think for us, it, it's it's important to have these conversations. and um, In writing. I, get the mayor down And in week. person. <laughs> in person. I have no problem talking to you. No, you don't. And the mayor just sat down with you, so. Well, it's time well, to have he, to do it again. He, he kind of had the gun to we? his head. He didn't want to see me on the street. But that's fair Aww. enough. That's, so, that, so I'll fault the free press there, too. If city officials will not sit down with you and talk, you got to go. go and on the real. Okay, so let's talk about that. He had 8 million press conferences over those five months. Come he had on. To talk about uh, the city got uh, a new tree. The city got and uh, afterwards, $6 he does in what? So afterwards, he does scrum yes. interviews. So come on. Yeah, No, he's not hard to find. He's not hard to Sometimes find. Sometimes he's out in Novi. But, but I will say this. I will say this for the mayor, and I thought the free press missed this too. We're gonna fight after this, like you and I. Like I'm, we're in a big basement right now, true. but we're Folks, gonna that, go out on the street. That's your it's great gonna be debate. Real. I'm in Ferndale. I don't. This I don't know nobody here. Jim Schaefer wants to fight me, so now you want to hey, fight me. So I guess I'm right where I need just, to let's be. Let's just have time. a match. But, but let's I, just have a match. I do have to say. Um, it seemed like the free press made a big deal out of the mayor and other people made a big deal of the mayor driving himself out for this meeting. And I'll just call it a meeting also didn't appear on the mayor's calendar, which I thought was kind of weird if it's business, but, but be that as it may, um, I've seen the mayor drive himself all over the place all the time at during the day at night. And when Kwame Kilpatrick was mayor and he had a shitload of cops surrounding him, we would have said, too many cops. Now Mayor Duggan drives himself with no cops, and he's being faulted for no cops. There is kind of a you can't win or lose in this situation. But uh, you know, I, I just think that really working for the mayor, for all of us in the administration, it's been a pleasure because we really are very focused. He's very focused on what's going to move the city forward, like reducing infant mortality, like making sure that our kids have jobs, like making sure that we are improving our neighborhoods. He's focused on that. So here's how this just played out, folks. I'll never work at the Free Press again, and Alexis just got a raise. <laughs> so Alexis Wiley, Chief of Staff for uh, Mayor Mike well, Duggan. Turn that one down. Thank it's you for joining us here on The Soul of Detroit. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. It's time for the great debate with our friend Sean Windsor of the Detroit Free Press, Marky Mark Fellhauer, and this week, Tank for Hughes. You know, we're like, do we want to talk about lose for Hughes? But we all agree it's never a good idea to lose. But is it a good idea to bury a good man to bring in what may or may not be a better man? And I'm talking about the Ken Holland-Steve Eiserman debate. This is sort of... Like Ginger and Marianne, except you always stick with Ginger. But um, but I guess in this case, I don't. Maybe Ken Holland is Marianne. I I don't know. What what do you think, fellas? You know what? I'm not gonna partake in your misogynistic and sexist uh, metaphors. No, I want to be massaging Ginger. Is he the Gilligan or Skipper then? (laughs) Oh, I like that a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah. Two incompetents. That's 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 a good one too. So uh, I I will start by saying that I think Steve Eiserman is the next great general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. I think Steve Eiserman is the guy who leads us back to glory. 
And I say that you keep Ken Holland until Ken Holland is ready to go. So both? No. You, you, you've got to pass no on sense. Iserman. Uh, there's a dual possibility. I mean, didn't they used to do that with Holland and Devilano? They did, but Holland has said, uh, and for those who don't know Jimmy Devilano, he was the GM who helped rebuild the Red Wings and at some point graduated to sort of elder statesman, a member of the NHL Board of Governors, kind of the uh, okay. the super scout who Wait a sec. Why keep, why keep Holland at all? Why? He's he's picked some great. T- look at the great he's players. Also made a lot of mistakes, and I'm with it's, contracts. Look, you all you all know sports is what have you done for me lately? If this is a rebuild, which it clearly is, then do a total rebuild. Well, right. I so yeah, you're right. Good point. Don't trust the guy that sort of did a rebuild on the fly and won a cup. I mean, that's a good point. Four cups. You don't want to keep a guy around. Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, he had a little help on that first round. What with, if they, uh, you know, Eiserman and those guys? But if, yeah, no, I, I'm sure you check out all about hockey, and he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. No, I'm sure he does know what he's doing, but I think Eiserman knows what he's also doing. He's a little younger, and if you don't hire him, he's going to go elsewhere. So you really want to have that look again, where he goes elsewhere and builds another championship type team. And that's a good point. At the time that the Red Wings let him go to Tampa Bay. He had proven himself as the as the leader, the general manager, if you will, of the Canadian Olympic team. But that's picking the best players in the world to beat everybody else. Pretty easy. But he had nothing else to judge him on. Well, right. So that's why they let him go to Tampa. Now, in Tampa, he had some very, very high draft picks, and he inherited Steven Stamkos as one of the great goal scorers of his generation. And he's built a good team, and he's made some very smart moves, and he hasn't made some of these blunders with the big long-term contracts for marginal players that Holland has. But I still argue, as I think Sean would, that Holland deserves his due for building the Red Wings into champions. I think some of the pieces he has can make us very strong again, and he's done that with low first-round draft picks and second-round draft picks and trading for draft picks. But, But my biggest point is you have to stick by people who have served you well. You have to be loyal to your people. And one of the reasons why the Red Wings are such a first-class operation is because they do keep people and they appreciate and they respect their contributions. Especially players. They do hang on to their players too long, but I still think Holland has something to offer. The biggest sin in all of sports is staying too long. And 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 in bars. They were were a little bit unique um, in this way. They had the playoff streak. Mm-hmm. And they had an owner that kind of wanted to keep that going, and so I, I you, you feel like Flynn was trying to straddle a couple of different models and trying to make two different things work, and ended up making neither work in a sense. And so now that he's sort of liberated from that, uh, you know, he's, I think in the last last year, particularly the draft, you don't know with some of these young guys, but they did find uh, uh, Larkin and a couple other guys that are doing. Mantha, Athanasiu. Bertuzzi, yes, he scored more than 30 goals. Bertuzzi, who, you know, who in their right mind thought Todd Bertuzzi's nephew uh, was going to be able to do something? I mean, he can't even get a proper haircut. <laughs> and I make a lot of allowances <laughs> for hair. hockey you haircuts. The, you want the haircut. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, you know, it, it, look, he... You're right. It, what he did in building the team, and, and I'm with you, Mike, in terms of that loyal. And Mike, I understand, it, you know, the, the the model you might use in the rest of the business world or just, you know, the rest of the working world is, is a little bit different, the idea of what you've done for me lately. I get that. But uh, 
and and maybe Eiserman, you know, the fit, what he did in Tampa, and either the Rangers are interested. Is this is what I've been reading? Mm-hmm. I've been so, reading it in the maybe, free press, where Sean Windsor uh, has been doing some great work at the NCAA tournament and elsewhere. And now he's back with the Pistons. I guess they're not going to let him rest. But uh, so, no, so I, mean, I think you miss out on Eiserman if you stick with Holland. But I guarantee you, after a few years in New York, Eiserman will be back. Nobody can make the Rangers win. Well, then you're hiring a failure at a at a discount. Well, that's that's. <laughs> I, and the, I think this is an interesting question too: is how much should the organization think about what the fan base wants? Because you know the noise if they don't get Eiserman and he goes elsewhere is going to be so loud. So how much of the decision making process should your paying customers be? I, I think they, uh, I think you got to do the what boss. you think is best for the franchise. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe if there's a local player, local star, and your your arena's half empty, and you want to sell tickets, I guess. But I think you gotta you gotta take a long view, and whatever you think that is, whatever your plan is, you gotta stick with that. You can't worry about the noise. I know fans like to think, uh, you know, we like to think, hey. We matter in that way, but but we don't. We shouldn't. I mean, well, what what matters is that they they want to put something out there that is going to be a good team or build a, a good team, and then the fans will come. Well, long view equals younger. Then, so I win. So, Sean, uh, roll in call. In terms of players, <laughs> we got Mark is Mark is pretty clearly uh, throw the old man overboard. Give him the Always. Leon. Give him the Leon Klinghoffer and bring in Iserman. Uh, I am saying that Holland uh, deserves loyalty, and I think that he does have a few more tricks up his sleeve. And I agree with Sean that uh, that if you let the fans run the team, then you know they could be disastrous. Sean, as usual, you see merit in both arguments. You're the tiebreaker. Keep him. Burn him down. Bring the kid in. Where are we at? No, I think you should make a run at Eisenman. Holland's got one more year on his contract, and surely they can do a little bit of overlapping, as Holland talked about the other day, and it's been well documented there. Well, Holland doesn't want to do that, but but once again, you have split your vote, uh, and we look forward to getting you back in studio when the Free Press gives you a chance to rest. That's Sean Windsor of the Detroit Free Press. You can read him at freep.com. For goodness sake, Sean, get some rest. I will do my best. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? Our Geek of the Week this week is you. Maybe not. Hey, what did I do? Well, I mean, I mean, I, mean, you, I am every. You sort of like the royal you, like everybody. And, and, and I don't mean necessarily you listening, because I know Red Shovel Network listeners are very loyal to advertisers, and they make it known that they put their money where their heart is, and I think that's important. So so here's where I'm going. Wait a second. Wasn't you, weren't they the Time Man of the Year a few years ago when they— You was? Yeah, they put a mirror on the front of the magazine. And did they make Dolly the Man of the Year? That, that Probably. The you that yeah. had been cloned? So that's well, another quite you. quite a fall for you. Yes. Man of the Year to Geek of the Week. Well, you know, I've had the wool pulled over my eyes, but not by a sheep. <laughs> that doesn't make what? sense. So maybe I'm the geek of the week. No, the geek of the week is those of you who demand more from the media, who want more scrutiny of public officials, who want more people looking into things, who want more answers, who want more options, who want more varieties, but you're not willing to support it. So if you're not happy with the free press, I'd say right now I'm not happy with the free press, but at least I pay for the damn thing. And when I say they're not looking at the right things, at least you know that I'm trying to support them so they can look into 
something. So if you are one of those people who listens to public radio, you're probably asleep right now. If you're one of those people who listens to public radio and you don't make a pledge, if you read the free press and the news online and you don't subscribe or buy one every once in a while, you, my friend, are our Geek of the Week. If you know anything about the soul of Detroit, you're way past me because I don't know nothing about what we're doing. But we're going to muddle through here, and we appreciate your help as always. We want to hear from you. We want your nominations for Geek of the Week. We want you to suggest some subjects for our great debate. And we've been doing pretty well with suggestions for Room 7609. And this week's band comes from Matt Jennings, the publisher, the editor, the delivery guy, he does collections, Tom, everything. Tom Masway's writer. Tom Masway's ghostwriter for Soft Magazine, who asks us to appreciate, maybe suck on, if you will, the mighty lemon drops. I've never heard of this band. You know, I when I got the suggestion, I said, let me refresh myself on mighty lemon drops. And so I, I ran them in YouTube, and Inside Out was the first tune that came up, and I started having a flashback to my time at Michigan State as a summer DJ on WLFT the campus AM station that you could only get through FM cable or if you plugged your radio into the wall in a student building because they sent the signal out through through the electrical electrical system. And Inside Out was one of the first tunes I remember playing on WLFT. And there were so few people who listened in the summer. At the end of your shift, you would just say, hey, guys, anybody want to meet me at the bar? And it was just your friends listening. That's pretty cool. You'd meet them at the bar. So. That's awesome. That's like Letterman. When Letterman started out doing student yeah. radio, he would talk to people, oh, his, well, fa- his friends, really. What wasn't cool was my first DJ name. What was Oh, I know Drew's was Drew Wave. I, I was Rick Rock. Are you serious? I, I immediately abandoned it. Cause it <laughs> the, the first time I started saying it, it sounded so bad. It so still sounds bad. It, it does. I should, probably shouldn't have mentioned it. We can edit this part no, out. No, we're keeping that in. But, um, oh, so that's that's the one that goes on the grave. It, but I did quickly change my DJ name to oh. a suggestion from one of my roommates. Yeah. Ron Happening. Uh, that's pretty good. It's better. So uh, <laughs> on behalf of Ron Happening, here's the Mighty Lemon Drops. Like an angel 
Digging the Mighty Lemon Drops. Thanks, brother. We want to hear from you. You can reach us at mlsoulofdetroit.com. You can call us at 313-Butterfield-89070. That's 288-9070. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, like us on Facebook. That's ML Soul of Detroit. You can always go to our website, mlsoulofdetroit.com, where sometimes we have some added features. Share the show if you like it, and rate it, please. Rate it unless you hate it. Uh, Mark, how'd you like this tune? I liked it a lot. I I hear uh, the doors in it. I hear light my fire a little bit with the bass line, especially the end there. But yeah. that's a cool tune from a band I never heard of. It's it's new to me. So it's it's, it's a new release, new to wave me. with no synth. I think people don't think that's possible. It is possible. I love the ringing guitars, and it sounds a lot to me like Echo and the Bunny Men. And of course, Echo and the Bunny Men do a killer Doors cover. So I think there's that's a solid. lot of shared DNA. Except, well, I was gonna say except these guys are all alive, but. As every burnout in high school told me, Jim Morrison lives. Ugh, okay. So that's it for this week on the Soul of Detroit, folks. We appreciate you listening in. Please spread the gospel and uh, all the great shows on the Red Shovel Network. Don't forget to support the Drew and Mike podcast as if they need my help. Uh, no BS News Hour with Charlie LaDuff. And, of course, No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob. That's it. Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Remember, at the same time next Thursday, another strange tale by M.L. Elric.
announcer has been Marvin Miller. This is RSN, the Red Shovel Network.